Hello, and welcome to On the Irregular with me, Java Berry, a podcast where I chat to women from all walks of life about their own unique creative journey, how they got here, how their story has shaped their creative work, what they've learned, what has helped them, and where they plan to go from here. It's an irregular journey for so many of us, and I am delighted to offer a platform to share these fascinating stories and wells of wisdom. In this episode, I talk to the singer-songwriter Josephine Oniyama. Born and bred in Manchester, Jo grew up listening to her mum's record collection, never knowing a time when music and writing weren't her focus. Starting gigging in her teens, her career took off very quickly, leading her to touring and working with huge names in the industry and eventually recording the widely applauded album Portrait. We talk about what it was like to start her career at such a young age, the support she received from teachers and family, the fickle nature of the music industry, why she chose to step away from performing for a few years and where she's going from here. Plus, Josephine will be performing at the live event of On The Irregular at Home Manchester in September. Welcome to this special bonus episode with the immense talent, utterly lovely, Josephine Oniyama. Josephine, I am absolutely honoured to be chatting to you. Um, oh, my pleasure. <laughs> you know, like you know how much I've been such a fangirl of yours for so long, from the moment I heard you singing um, and saw you on stage. So it's so gorgeous to be able to talk to you and find out more about your journey and about how, you know where you're at now and how you got here. Um, so you're from Manchester. Yep. Yeah, uh, born and bred. Mm-hmm. Born and bred, Mank girl. Um, do you want to tell me a bit about your background and your family and just growing up in Manchester? Which part of Manchester were you in? I grew up in North Manchester in a place called Cheatham Hill, um, which is probably, I think it's something like seven miles out of the city centre. Um, growing up there, it was, it was my mum and my, myself, and my brother and sister. And um, yeah, it was it was it was okay. I mean, if you know anything about that kind of area of Manchester, it's quite um, sort of sort of trans not trans yeah transient in terms of maybe immigrant communities and um, there's the, I think be- sort of before there was sort of a kind of West African wave. There was a sort of a, a Jewish wave and they sort of moved up and then out of, of um, Cheatham Hill and up the into sort of more Presswich and further north. And then there was kind of a um, sort of large Pakistani community that kind of moved through Cheatham Hill. And then again, they moved on as everybody sort of becomes kind of 
more affluent and uh, the generations sort of build, they sort of move upwards and out and and there's a West African community as well. And, and so it's a quite a large sort of immigrant community um, in that area. And, um, and I'm first generation myself. My mum is, is West African. And so we, we were, it was, it's very much a melting pot, that, that area where I grew up. And what, um, what did your mum do? Oh gosh, my mum, she worked, she worked nights in a, in a factory for as long as I can remember, really. She's retired now, but she, um, she worked in a, a bottle factory actually in, in Middleton, which is even further north. Um, and she worked nights up there for 17 years, something like that. Uh, while I was growing up um so you know not a not, not exactly a, a glamorous job but um paid the bills yeah of course yeah and so she was a single mum yeah yes yeah, she was um my brother and sister um their dad like she was she was married to my brother and sister's dad and um their dad died before I was born and um then my dad came along she had me um but he didn't sort of stay around so mm-hmm. it was the three of us um me my brother and sister and my mom really and she did everything she could to you know keep us afloat we start we actually started off in Hume which is mm-hmm. south manchester until i was i think i think i think i was seven when we moved mm-hmm. um sort of to to the north area of manchester because she actually bought a house which was really I, I don't know how she managed that really she she moved from a, a council house a council flat in um uh south end avenue in 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 hume <laughs> to uh buying a, a sort of three-bed house in cheatham hill all on her sort of wow. factory uh wages so she did she did she did very very well for you know a single mum at that time yeah. kind of she slogging her guts that's, she that's very a- much is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. She wouldn't agree. She'd just be like, oh, Joe, you know, you do what you've got to do. <laughs> yeah, some do more than others, though. <laughs> yeah, that is very that is very true. And she she just did, did, did. She's definitely a, a very hard worker and something that, you know, me and my, my brother and sister are all are all the same way now, obviously, because we've had that that influence. Um, we do we do like to work hard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah she set an example yeah mm. and um so when you were growing up did you was music creativity encouraged was it like a part of your family life not so much the creativity but music music very much was it was um my mum had a you know a very good collection of music outstanding collection of music actually when I look back at it she would have been you know if, if if it was around at the time she would have been very welcoming you know northern quarter um <laughs> trendy she would I don't think she really knew how sort of trendy her record collection was and would be in future you know it was things like uh Fela Kute it was uh Baba Mal um she had some she had a lot of country music in there which is very strange but I can't remember that a lot of the artists who were in oh, there a lot of West African uh, music as well so her, her record collection was fantastic but she didn't really know it <laughs> wow that's interesting you saying that I can actually hear country in your music that makes sense god so you grew up with this influence of this really 
eclectic music collection yeah and it's funny because because she was um she worked a lot obviously like I say it wasn't actually her playing it it was me and my brother and sister would just the records were just in in the the living room and the 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 record player was in there and we'd just play them and you know go about our day stick another record on and you know that it would it was just something that was always there yeah wow that's wonderful were you close with your brother and sister yeah, I mean, not so much growing up, to be fair, because we we were kind of all on opposite ends of high school. So my my brother and sister went to one high school in in South Manchester. So like I say, I was really young and then mm. we moved. They sort of stayed in that same high school. And then by the time I got to high school, like, you know, five or six years later, I was going to a different high school in North Manchester. So they were on a kind of opposite end to me I was I was too young for 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 me to be a friend at that stage you know um but now we are very close you know we've all kind of caught up once you once you passed a certain age yeah you're kind of the same you're kind of of the same exactly um and we were very close now certainly Mm -hmm. and so when you as you were growing up like when did you kind of start to have an inkling that singing and songwriting was something that you were interested in? Um, it's, it's funny because the word inkling suggests that there was a time that it wasn't there. Um, Ooh, but I it like was that. always there. Um, I always wrote from when I could... It's one of the first things I can remember, you know, in my... It was my second primary school, like when I, when I say when we moved to North Manchester, I started playing a violin and I took the violin home that the teacher gave me and um, I was writing, you know, melodies. I didn't really know how to read music or anything like that. Um, But I was, you know, just playing this violin and writing melodies and then writing songs. And it, it was always there. And certainly I, I loved to write. I loved, I loved writing and, and still do just, just words on a page. Yeah. Yeah. It's when you, cause you, what did, what was your A-levels? Was, you did, is it theatre studies and psychology and what was it? And, uh, and design. I did Art my A-level. Yeah. That, that was a real mess. That was, you know what that I was found, a real mess. I found that really interesting, though, because I remember um, when I was a teenager and I was really interested in psychology and literature and theatre. And I think they all really feed each other also when it comes to writing. Because I think it's that kind of like the the the, an, the analysis, I suppose. Um, and so I can understand how, in a way, you know, when you're finding your way as a writer, why you would have chosen psychology, possibly. Um, for, for sure, they, they may seem to kind of fit together now. and But I don't know why at the time I sort of picked what seemed like a disparate subject. I, I think I just picked things that I liked. Um, and didn't so much do the thing that I think you're supposed to do, which is pick things that actually go together. (laughs) Um, You know, I didn't really have much guidance on what to select. So I just, I just selected three courses that interested me. And in in hindsight, in terms of my journey, I I probably would have scrapped the A-levels altogether and just done sort of like a B-tech in music or something like that, or Mm -hmm. just, just really focused and, and, um, sort of got down and, and gritty into into more of a mu- musical study, which I didn't really do until later. Yeah. So I, I guess it's that thing, isn't it? So you, because from what it sounds like, it sounds like 
it was just like pure instinct like music was part of you and I love that you said that it was never not there never mm. not an option um and so then I guess that's the, sometimes the issue with education isn't it that it kind of veers you off because you, mm. you know it sounds like you really knew in your core what it is that you wanted to do but then you've kind of got to go along with all of these other parameters of what you know how we're supposed to achieve some kind of you know t titles or, or certificates or grades or whatever um and was mm. it was it supported was your music supported by your by your family by your mom by your teachers i mean you said that you, like your teacher gave you a violin yeah absolutely my at that, that time when I had the violin, it was it it was literally just my my primary school teacher said, you're playing a violin. I was like, OK, I'll take that home. It wasn't necessarily that that was my instrument. It wasn't until I kind of got to high school and really discovered the sort of indie band phenomenon that mm -hmm. I, I sort of sort of started drifting towards guitar. And I asked my mum if I could um, have a piano um, and she got me it. She she sort of. <laughs> bartered the church for a piano and uh, <laughs> I think she sort of traded in some old bits and pieces and oh. got an, an old piano from our church and traded it with another church for parts and oh and then my God, I love one day, her. yeah she suddenly one day I, I went into the front room and there was this sort of piano it's like oh wonderful you know and so I drifted more towards piano and guitar than in, in high school and I you know, you do hear a lot of, I was listening to one of your um, podcasts uh, a couple of days ago, actually, and you do hear some horror stories about, you know, people being really put off in high school and their teachers saying, you know, mm. you, you won't amount to anything and you, you know, you, you're not good at this. You know, I had fantastic backing from my teachers in high school um, and, so you know, some of them to this day, you know, still checking with me on Facebook mm. and, and have been to my shows, been to my gigs and things. Um, because I started learning guitar from my English teacher in high school. And then like, you know, I started gigging when I was about 15. So still in high school. And I'd come back the next day and the teachers would be like, how did your gig go? You know, so I I was never told I couldn't do it. Mm -hmm. Let's put it that way. And you know, I think my mum would have probably preferred me to do something, you know be a lawyer or a doctor or you know something like that but she was never like you cannot do this she was like well joe you know if you want to do that it's okay Aww. as long as you're happy but you know i would have preferred this you know <laughs> but so it, it's not necessarily that i wasn't told that i couldn't do it it's just yeah. be aware that you may die poor <laughs> you know, <laughs> you, may, you may go to your grave living hand to mouth, um, but, which is it can be very much the case. Yeah. And so you just you were saying that you started gigging quite early. Um, that takes quite a lot of confidence. Like, you, how old were you when you started gigging? Um, I was fifteen when I started gigging. Um, a confidence. I, I I guess so. I just. I didn't I didn't feel particularly confident. I think I was just incredibly focused, which is mm. uh, probably more focused than I am now, to be honest. Yeah. I was I was so determined to um, to do that thing and to keep writing. I remember um, by that point I'd been learning guitar for maybe maybe two years. I think. No, no, actually, maybe two or three years. I think I started when I was about 12, 13 mm -hmm. um, to play guitar and. 
I then randomly wrote to this manager in in the centre of Manchester, saying, you know, can you can you get me some gigs? Can you sort of promote me? And he got me this gig at night and day in Manchester, which is you know classic everybody's first gig venue, yeah. and um, it was kind of like a, I think it was like spoken word and. Um, an acoustic night, you know, uh, and where you could just turn up, but then there were some slots that were uh, booked. So you'd have the open mic first and then there were a few booked slots. And I had one of these booked slots to do like four songs. I, I only had four songs. So that was, that was all I could do. And um, my sister had to take me down because I wasn't allowed in the bar, obviously, oh. um, because I was, I was 15 and she had to take me down. We had to sit by the door. <laughs> So yeah, sit by the door and wait. Um, I wasn't allowed to go anywhere else. And um, then, you know, later on in the night, I suddenly found myself up on stage, you know, in my Adidas tracksuit, um, <laughs> singing these, the only four songs that I'd ever written um, to, well, ever finished really. And uh, yeah, it was, it was fantastic. My brother came down as well and they were sort of side stage and, um you know there were a few tears and, yeah. <laughs> and all of this and I was just like okay and I got a, I got a great response and again it's those early um those early champions whether it be just you know people in an audience your teachers mm-hmm. um your mum getting your piano despite her better judgment um <laughs> those early early champions who um who keep you going and I think if even no matter what kind of negative what kind of negativity you get later or any criticism or if you've had that support early yeah. it really does make a huge difference I feel yeah mm. yeah it gives you a foundation I suppose yeah yeah so that you know you always have that good memory to look back to saying well I can do this because I've done it before yeah. and other people have said I can yeah. you know and when when you're you when you're very young that's that's important yeah I can see that wow and so when you um you started gigging quite early and then you said that you then did an open university degree when you were on the road yeah that came a bit later so after I'd obviously finished high school finished college finished my levels I then literally got straight out on the road I was I was playing some rather huge kind of support acts I, I remember I toured with uh, you know, Lady Smith, Black Mombazo. Oh my um, God! Seriously? Yeah, yeah, I did a whole sort of huge UK tour with them when I was about Joe, seventeen. That's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> I have got a very long memory in music, um, and it, it isn't until somebody sort of asks you the question. I haven't thought about that in years. It isn't until someone asks you the question that these things then uh, come back to life again, and. I did it all with Roger McGuinn from the Bird. You know, hey, Mr. Yeah. Tambourine. Um, I did. I just did. I did so much touring between the ages of about seventeen and twenty-one. I just slogged my guts out, and that's when I started my degree on the road because I'm, 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 I'm a studious person. I, I do like learning. I do like learning a lot, and I, and I love to read. So I, it was, it was perfect to do an open university. Um, degree on the road because I just got to do lots of reading at the same time I have to say though like I don't know how many young people would choose to do a degree while they're on the road like I can imagine very (laughs) many other versions of being on the road at that age I suppose so I I suppose so but I've I've, you know I guess 
as I've just been too sensible. I've been too sensible. I take that back. There, were, there was about a decade when sense went out of the window. But when I was quite young, when I was that age, you know, late teens, I was actually, I, I, I think I had my head screwed on quite well yeah. at that time. It, it, it did go south on a number of occasions, <laughs> but at that point it was all good. Well, I guess that like you said, you were really focused. You were incredibly mm. focused and... I was, I was, I was so desperate to be a musician. I just wanted to play. And that was, it was all from a foundation of wanting to write. If I can get, you know, time to write songs, Mm -hmm. I feel, I feel like I'm living my purpose. You know, that's, that is my purpose. No matter what else I do. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And that really comes across with your music. It feels, (laughs) (laughs) it feels so whole. Like it's like, this person was born to do this. Like, wow, thank you. <laughs> it has, like I say, some, some, some years, some decades, it hasn't always felt that way. But yeah, I, I think looking back over the whole course of the last 20 years, um, it does feel like that has been what I was, I was designed to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that must have been like quite, because that's a really high place in a way to start your career doing such huge tours and right you know from the get-go um how did you like what because where did you think where did you think you were going to go from there did you have a kind of like a clear vision of what you wanted your career as a a singer songwriter to be um that therein lies the difficulty um no I didn't and I was just I'm you know, there's all sorts of reasons why you shouldn't say yes to everything, but I really did say yes to absolutely everything, mm-hmm. not knowing where it would take me. And, you know, every, every gig that I was offered, I took every every single opportunity. I just said yes, and I do, unless I had something else booked, obviously. Mm-hmm. I just say yes, and, and off I went. And um, And starting off at that point, I think... I guess looking back, maybe I did have quite high expectations about where things could go. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know that at the time, but I guess I just thought it would always be like that, you know, to be being, uh, you know, on the road doing these kind of things that were quite high profile. I saw a future in it in, in that sense. You know, I, if you start with that, I guess you're thinking, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm doing this and, and it's, it's completely possible. Mm-hmm. in a yeah. way that you know it hasn't always always seemed because it's been so so up and down since the day I started mm-hmm. yeah it's it's kind of it's that's the, I guess the creative life isn't it mm-hmm. but it's, it's when you're young you kind of can't see that or, or know that because and like you said like you know starting at your, your expectations are at the level where you start so why would it be any mm-hmm. different why would it be any different and I think definitely looking back all of that every every single gig every single opportunity as much as I say I was focused I think I I did actually take it for granted mm-hmm. I think I took it for granted that I'd, I'd done all of these things and um and I didn't think wow at the time I was just getting on with it and going right this is building this is growing yeah. um now I look back and I think oh my word if I'd known <laughs> that these were that this was so big and so you know 
that if I'd known that everybody wasn't doing this, everybody wasn't getting these opportunities, I think I would have been a lot more grateful. Grateful, not that I, you know, I've never been an ungrateful person, but I would have been like, "Wow, look at this! Look at me, everybody! I'm doing this amazing thing! Isn't this awesome?" <laughs> I would have just been, yeah, I would have been out there really, but you know, promoting myself and just really, I would, I would have made so much more of it. But at the time, I just thought, oh, yeah, this is what happens. And yeah. this is just the start. And it's going to grow and grow and grow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so then, so how did, how, what, how, like, how did it then evolve from there? Um, ups and downs, really. I, I, I made an album um, when I was really young. It was called, um, gosh, what was it called? It was called A Smaller Version of the Real Thing. And, oh, actually, you know what happened? I'll tell you what happened. <laughs> I did some demoing with Guy Garvey. Right. Do you know Guy Garvey from oh, um, oh, yes. Elbow? Oh, yes. We all know who Guy Garvey is. <laughs> sorry. 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 Yeah, I didn't need to explain that, did I? We all know who Guy Garvey is. Um, this was this was actually soon, just before I started all of this gigging, I did some demo with Guy Garvey, and um, that was kind of my demo. He demoed like four tracks for me, and um, that was kind of what I was sending out, and that kind of ended up being those kind of ended up being the the backbone of the songs for that first album that's amazing and um and that it it then got put out by a small label um in Manchester which it 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 didn't get it got some okay reviews um musically and and songwriting wise it got some some fairly good reviews actually Mm -hmm. um but again listening back and and at the time I got some comments that were not so not they were constructive looking back but they weren't very positive um and a lot of it surrounding my voice and the way I sang because I was really a real warbler uh back then and it was what listening back now it was it just I wish somebody had said when I was recording, mm, you might want to, you know, look at that, get some vocal lessons or something. But at the time I was just, it was just very natural and just, um, it was just the way I sang. Um, but actually listening back now, it's, it's maybe a little bit unpleasant almost. Um, so it, it was a double-edged sword, that album. It was, it was nice. It was a nice start. But um, I think looking back, I could have had maybe a better better performance I suppose on on that album that must have been hard I imagine to have read those reviews Uh, yeah yeah it was um it's it's always tough when you get reviews that are not you know positive um and to be fair even the even the positive ones you kind of take them with a grain of salt which maybe is a maybe is a good thing mm-hmm. um but you know it's, it's never nice when you get reviews that are not so good at all you know now we have the whole social media and it's like well mm-hmm. I, I remember once I did this festival in um oh god I can't remember which festival it was it was a massive festival but for some reason the the band that I was playing with at the time they it, it just couldn't happen um, logistically and so I had to do it on my own it meant doing this really long acoustic set um, and I remember a guy posting a, a a comment on Twitter or Instagram. I can't remember, um, saying, oh, "Wow, this girl has got the best voice, but she is so boring." <laughs> <laughs> 
and I'm like oh my god because it wasn't supposed to be that way you know but oh that, that's the he experienced you know so you know you've got you've got to just take you've got to just take these things and say I'll do better next time you know and and luckily album wise I, I think I did I think I did achieve better next time <laughs> oh, <God>. yeah it's <laughs> not nice to hear that's that's so personal that's really just below the belt it is but it's at the same time you know you do learn to um grow from things as well you know maybe when I was younger and I had a comment like that I would have been like oh no but you know this is this is maybe only this is maybe I don't know seven seven eight years ago or something like that and um now I'm just like okay you know that's fair because in, in reality, I wouldn't normally do an acoustic show that was that long anyway. Yeah. I want original love. I want original love. I know it's hard to find it. It doesn't come easy. Original love. So after this album, how, where did you go from there? Your first album? Uh, oh, gosh. Um, difficult really um I think I just kept touring not really oh, gosh I can't remember it's it's, re- it's a real black hole actually um I, I, de- I definitely kept gigging for a really long time like I say I, I used to just say yes to it to any gig that was put in front of me and I remember at that time after that album came out I had the manager that I had you know that I'd um that I'd got that got me that first gig and those those first sort of sets of tours the kind it, it kind of broke down the relationship kind of broke down because the the label we were with as well um he and the label didn't really get on it's a cl- classic you know classic industry story everybody was arguing and sort of bickering mm-hmm. and and I remember I then got this letter from the label at the time saying we love you Josephine and um we really like your music but your manager is insufferable um, and therefore, <laughs> oh God! <laughs> and therefore, we will no longer be working with you. And uh, I, I still have that letter somewhere. Do I still have it, or did I tear it up when I moved? I, I'm pretty sure I still have it somewhere. Um, and so it was kind of like okay. And at that point, I think our relationship broke down as well um, yeah, with that, that early manager. And and then I then I was on my own um, for the first time really since starting the journey that was it had been you know four or five years of gigging and releasing music and studying and all of all of this stuff so constant 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 work Mm. and then I was on my own for the first time and the gig sort of stopped and I that was the first time that I'd had a break from music I've, I've sort of had two breaks the one that I kind of just had and this this early one and I kind of didn't do any gigs for 11 months 12 months which was very very weird for me um I didn't do any shows and this was a conscious decision not to do them I think because I'd always had somebody helping me with getting the gigs I think I just didn't really know how at that stage and so I I I kind of just I kind of just took a natural step back it was a natural step back I, I was in my early 20s um and I just, I just had to start again. I literally just had to start again. Um, 
And to my memory, I started, you know, I, I'd always, I'd continued to write songs and I had a bunch of songs, which I then just started gigging again. Um, I got a few musicians together. I then started gigging locally again. So I'd, I'd stopped doing all of these um, sort of national sort of support tours um, and started doing sort of more grassroots things again all around Manchester. I'd be gigging maybe two or three times a week, mm-hmm. um, you know, in and around Manchester, sometimes London, sometimes, you know, Leeds, sometimes. I, I just started with one, one gig at a time. And I remember always getting another offer from each gig so okay I'd, I'd do a gig and then somebody would come up and say I, I'm doing this radio show this local radio show I'm doing this gig I'm putting mm. on this festival and I just slowly clawed things back and started to um play live again um and I think at that stage I was invited to play I think it was about 2006 Mm-hmm. I was then invited to play um, in the city. Do you do you know that in the city music yeah, conference? Yeah, I think I think mm-hmm. that might have been when I first saw you. It probably was. It was about yeah. that time that we met, and I met a bunch of people who I still know, like yourself um, yeah. today. Yeah. And um, I think I remember that gig. <laughs> I like, I really because like you, when I you took my breath away, I oh. was completely. <laughs> I just lost for words. I remember the I remember the the physical sensation of hearing you sing <laughs> so well. I'm getting tingles. Wow, wow! <laughs> the physical sensation. That's lovely. Um, yeah, it was it was it was a really fantastic time. I must say, it was a really fantastic time, and it was around that time when I say the focus just kind of <laughs> slipped because there was a lot of. A lot of shows. I was I was a grown up then, out there doing it myself. I wasn't a kid anymore, sort of waiting by the door in bars to be told yeah. to play and then get out, kind of thing. Um, you know, as a grown up, it was full on sort of parties and fun. gigs and fun, and it was it was wonderful. And I met, like I say, lots and lots of people who are you know close friends now and musicians who I still know and. Um, I got these in, in in the city. It was I got these three showcases, um, two of which were just okay, just kind of like building up. And then the third one, I think that that by that point in the over the weekend, um, I, there was so much kind of hype that I got to this last showcase. It's where it, it was on Peter Street, I think, behind Central Library in Manchester. Yeah. And um, I think it's a brew dog now, I can't remember. Um, oh, and yeah. it, it was there, um, whatever venue it was at the time, and it was absolutely rammed with industry folk then, you know, after after we'd done this sort of weekend of, of showcases and the, the hype had built, and it was all of these people, and I was like, oh, okay, you know, and me and my little sort of, four-piece band we went and we did we did this showcase and then after that I just it was you know phone calls emails all of these people saying let you know what management do you have do you have gigs do you have a label do you have you know and so things just really just went into the you know into a hurricane from there and I was like oh I can remember being in my um I'd moved out by then, but I remember being in my mum's front room with my old piano and just having to kind of 
put my phone on mute. Um, I think wow. I, I was just, I was like writing. I was thinking I don't want to answer any of these calls. I was kind of getting a bit not cold feet, but not really knowing what to say, just not having any kind of guidance in where to 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 go with things and who to yeah. whose offers to accept. Yes. Um, and then I think I got I have an email or a call from the 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 company that's my management now, um, lady called Carol at Solar Management in London. And they, and she just said, look, and she, I remember I had, I had had a couple of meetings and I've gone down to London and I'd had a couple of phone calls with different people. And, and I just wasn't sure on where to go and who to select. And, and she rang and she said, look, me and um, my assistant, Carrie, we'll, we'll come up to Manchester. We'll, we'll come back up to Manchester and we'll come and see you. And we'll, we'll just sit down and have a chat about what you want to do, where you want to go. And we had that chat and I was like, right, that's my management company. Um, uh, those are the people I want to work with. And to this day, I'm, I'm still with them. Um, yeah. So it was a, a fantastic decision yeah. um, because they've been, they've just been absolutely fantastic. They've been great. And I, it's, it's nice to know that because at the time I felt like I was in, like I said, total whirlwind of, of confusion and it's, it's, and it's been very much up and down since then, mm-hmm. but it's, it's nice to know that I did made one decent decision. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like that's incredible to have that relationship still. That's, mm. that, that's like your instincts were clearly. Yeah. Yeah. I think so because there were, there were, there were there were a couple of others I thought okay maybe maybe I'll go with them and 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 in fairness I'm 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 sure it would have been okay I'm I'm sure that it would have been they would have done something for me but I think in the end I got the best yeah. sort of relationship for me yeah mm. and so um how did this carry on then um after that I started recording um mm. these songs um and it did it took a while to sort of build and to write more I did lots of kind of writing sessions with um other um musicians and producers and and some a lot of things didn't work I remember just thinking oh I'm not sure I, I'm not sure I like this very much um a couple of writing sessions where the the result was just you know nice nice enough people but I just thought I, I just don't like it. There's no, there's no individual kind of style here, okay. um, because you can very much. There's lots of, I, I don't know. I, I guess production line songwriters um, that you you end up kind of maybe writing with as a singer songwriter, mm-hmm. um, and who who are producers as well. So you come out of the other end with a song that's that's produced, but it's not necessarily anything that's yours. And and it's sometimes really it really cool. takes, yeah, yeah finding the right collaborators obviously it's always about finding the right collaborators mm-hmm. um to move things forward and I, then I remember uh, my manager at the time was managing a producer called Leo Abrahams mm-hmm. and um Leo Abraham and um I went to you know sit down with him and we just wrote all of these songs which were just that ended up being the I didn't write everything with him, but they ended up being the cornerstones, you know, of mm. of the album I was then going to put out, which was which was Portrait. And um, it, we wrote together. We wrote Portrait, the song, the title track. We wrote um, a song called Last Minute as well, uh, a couple of others, and um, it just ended up being a really, really 
great collaboration and it just made it just like like I say form the foundation of of what I what I was then gonna do they're, they're incredibly powerful songs that album they there's something beautifully whole about them they're 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 mm. full they feel full okay and I and I would attribute a lot of that to working with Leo he's fun, absolutely fantastic he's a you know he does a lot of guitar work for various other bands but as, as a producer and a musician in himself as well he's mm. a fantastic writer and just somebody who is good at bringing out the best in other people I think mm-hmm. um it doesn't sort of interfere with his own style and and, and fair enough I have run with a, a few other people who are you know just as good um Jimmy Hogarth as well I wrote a song called um, oh my gosh, I've forgotten the name of the song. <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> I have completely forgotten the the, the tracks on the album. Um, Original Love I wrote with with Jimmy Hogarth, and these are people who both of them just just stay out of your way as a writer. I think yeah, they just yeah. kind of they're there to kind of bounce off, and they'll sort of just sort of knuckle down with the track, and they'll be, you know, with the chord progressions and things, and we'll be bouncing off each other that way. But in terms of sort of lyrics and and vocal melodies and things like that um and how things how you could then going to perform something they'll they'll kind of just stay out of the way with that until unless you say I'm stuck you know and then they'll be like okay well what about this and what about that um so they were really really positive collaborations and how what were the reviews of portrait interestingly because this would have been your second album then this was second but really I mean, because the the other one didn't really, I don't know. It was, it didn't really go that far. I don't know. I don't know whether, whether that's the best way to say it, but it didn't really go that far. It was really just an introduction for me, almost. It did get some, like I say, some good reviews, some bad reviews, um, but it wasn't really out there. So Portrait was really classed as my first album, yeah. and. Um, the reviews were fantastic. The reviews were really good. Um, obviously, not everybody loves it, um, but it, who it are those happy. people? Who are those people? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. They just crawled under a rock and died. No, <laughs> they're inconsequential. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they don't exist anymore. Um, but yeah, it did. It did get just fantastic reviews, and it, it allowed me to kind of start up again in a way that. You know, I was doing festivals. I did Glastonbury. Uh, did I do Tea in the Park? I did Tea in the Park. I did a lot of touring across Europe, you know, and South by Southwest as well in the States. And it was just an an album that kind of, it really flung open the door for me, which, oh, gosh, uh, I think I'll be forever grateful for because it just, I, I don't know, it just did the thing that, I'd been I'd been searching for really for for many 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 years, and I did not see it coming at all that it would it would be so well received. Mm. Wow, wow, that must have felt really quite incredible. It did, and I I I I just I just loved it because my whole sort of life has been about maintaining a a, a kind of creative practice and getting to the point where I can say you know, I can do this every day if I want to. Mm. And, you know, portrait for a while, you know, it allowed me to just just be out there and to be writing all the time. And I, I started writing, you know, towards the end of the sort of promotional trail for that album, which was 
gosh, we were doing we were doing stuff for about four years, maybe lots and lots of shows. And towards the end there, they then started sort of putting together the album that's going to come out later this year or next year. Mm-hmm. Um, so it allowed me to it allowed me all of that space and time to to, to just do so much to get so much under my belt. Mm-hmm. Um, and and like I say, most of that is it's about collaborating with the right people um things that you know the 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 way that kind of first album went completely south yeah um, it's because I was with the wrong people yeah. you know um maybe the wrong manager the wrong label and you know nobody could could get along too many egos and it just sort of went out of the window and 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 the second time around it's just kind of like okay yeah you know let's just do this let's just see what we can get to let's just work with some really good people good management company, good, good producers and just, just let things happen organically. And it, and it did. Yeah. Yeah. You can, you can sense that. You can really sense that in the album. Hmm. Like I said, I'm glad. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then where, cause I, I have a memory. Um, and this was later on. It was when um, John and I were living in France and I think it was John's birthday. And we'd been out for a meal and we'd saved because we couldn't get terrestrial, you know, TV there. But um, you'd you'd been on Jules Holland Mm -hmm. and we saved it to watch it as like a birthday treat. (laughs) (laughs) Goodness, that's amazing. (laughs) We we got all the blankets in mine. (laughs) And it was so, it was really, really lovely. Gosh, a lot of pressure. (laughs) If I'd known, I would have crumbled. If I'd known that's what you were going to do, would have been on on dual sweating, sweating to death. Because that, because that must have been a few years later, wasn't it? Um, it was. It was on. It was during that album, sort of. Oh, was promo, it? Was it? Was that? that was that portrait? Yeah, it was. It was portrait, and I did two tracks. I did the title track, portrait, and I did original love. The, the you know two yes. tracks that I was just talking yes. about, and um, uh, it was maybe the two years after it came, a year after, or the. Two years after it came out, I can't remember, but it was it was really close to when one portrait actually came out that we got that, and it was it was just the most bizarre, um, you know, uh, treat really because I, I did I didn't think we'd actually get the show. Um, I, I still to this day don't know how these things really come about. You yeah. know, um, somebody who knows somebody comes to your gig, and yeah. and and I remember the gig that the I think one of his producers came to. Jules Holland's producers came to Mm -hmm. and it was possibly the worst gig I've ever done (laughs) it it was I I, thank heavens I didn't know she was there until afterwards because I would have been like I I, I can't I'm not doing this because it's it's awful it was in um I think it was King's Cross Station whichever one the Eurostar goes from yeah yeah it was there it was they were doing some like music on the platform, it was called, or something like that. But it was her, a, a horrendous idea because the amount of noise. I was thinking the acoustics um, <laughs> were awful. Acoustics were bad. Um, the amount of noise, the announcements, the trains, the people. Uh, I remember, you know, I, I was there with my acoustic and my um, lead guitarist. He he missed his train from Manchester, and <laughs> and it was the worst gig. And we 
I don't know how we we done so much gigging, but I don't know how we did it. We got to the last song, and I think because of the conf- complete confusion all around us, the track completely broke down. We each played completely set disparate songs, and it it just went so utterly wrong. But look, hope bizarrely, um, you know the the producer of Jules maybe didn't notice any of that, and you can see just noticed. You could see through it, yeah. yeah. She must, she must have, because you know, a few days later, it's like, Joe, we're going on jewels. It's like, okay, <laughs> <laughs> all right then, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm looking back. It probably wasn't the only thing that that was based on. Yeah. Um, it, it can't possibly have been um, because it was, it was a, a, a really weird gig. And how did it feel? Did you enjoy it doing jewels? It was fantastic. It was a, it was fantastic. I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't fault it in any way. And I, um, it, it's really, it's really, really funny because at some really not very important times in my life, I've completely crumbled and just been like, oh, I can't do this. I'm so terrified. But I think the ex, the excitement just was, was overwhelming and I didn't really feel to I didn't really feel that nervous I think I'd feel more nervous now with a few more years on me um than I did then because may, maybe it's just hubris hubris of youth and I just kind of was like this is amazing and you know we did all the her- rehearsals with the, the fullest band I've ever worked with um you know uh drummer keyboard player guitarist bass player backing singers you know and it was it was just a really fantastic time and and the way you do duels is thinking back to it. There's, there's two. You run twice in the week. Um, they do a full show, and then they do like a, a half show as well for a Tuesday. So there was quite a bit of filming, um, and yeah, the the whole thing was just a really delightful experience. So you know, you can come away from things like that thinking, "Oh my god, that was that was really hard," and I hope I did well. And and but it, I think it's one of the only times in my life and career where I haven't come away kind of thinking oh right I I really wish I'd enjoyed that more because I really did enjoy it oh that's that's so perfect (laughs) (laughs) that makes me so happy to know that you could you could experience it and be in it and enjoy it yeah it's, it's actually you know you probably know yourself it's actually quite quite rare to enjoy things in the moment in that way yeah. Um, I find it really hard. It, it takes me decades to look back on something and go, "Yeah, that was good, wasn't it?" Um, <laughs> but but now, you know, at the at the ta- at that time on the day, I I really loved it. Yeah, wonderful. We really enjoyed it as well. <laughs> oh, God, I, I hope it lived up to your, the birthday expectations. <laughs> Definitely did. Wow. So, gosh. So, how old were you at this point then? When I did Jules, now let me think. That album came out. I was twenty nine. Okay, yeah. I'll go with yes, yeah. yes. I it was exactly twenty nine. And so, how <laughs> did things progress into your thirties? Um, well, you know, the first few years, like I say, we were touring, portrait, we were doing lots of festivals, we were doing lots of um, lots of promo, did so many sort of interviews and things like that, and it was a it was a huge whirlwind, and then. At the towards the end of that, I like I say, I'd started writing for another album, which mm-hmm. is kind of which is a lot of the work that I'm I'm going to be releasing sort of this year. But obviously, that was six years ago, something like that, and 
that this this sort of portrait was coming to an end and I started writing for the next one. And at that time, my label at the time said, no, we don't want, we don't really want to work with you anymore. And this is the, oh, that, the third. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that, that's <laughs> really jarring. Like what? <laughs> it really is, isn't it? What was <laughs> that based on? I don't know what that was based on, whether or not they didn't get the sales from portrait that they they hoped, whether or not they um, didn't like the new material. Maybe that was some of it. I, I, I just don't know. It's hard to get those answers. Um, but they said, you know, look, we, we don't want to re- release another album. Um, I, I think they'd had some changes in the, the, the <laughs> label as well in the company and my a the guy who'd kind of introduced me at that label wasn't there anymore. And that's always, that's always a bit of a big thing in music. Mm. Um, you have yeah. to have your person, you know, otherwise there's nobody championing you at the label and that can be very hard. Yeah. So I, I, so the, all, a bunch of stuff must have happened and they didn't want to put that out. So that was like the third time essentially in my life that I'd been dropped from a label. Yeah. You know that first one. There was a, there was a we didn't we didn't sort of go into this, but there was another time when I was sort of signed to Island Records, and I got dropped from them as well. This was before Portrait, and then then a label Ruby Works, which I got dropped from again. So then it's like, oh my word, um, you know what now? And at that point, so think about it. I've been gigging from the age of 15 all the way up to you know a few years after portrait so I was like 33 I'd been gigging hard my entire life mm-hmm. my entire adult life then just been dropped from another label and I just I thought you know what I need a break I need a really really need a break and I, I said to her and again credit to my my management who I you know I'm still with like I say, um, I said, look, I, I need a break. This is, you know, this is like three years before COVID, I think. Okay. I really need a break. I'm just going to, I'm just going to go and live my life for a while. You know, me, me and my husband at that stage had moved to Liverpool because he was working in Liverpool. Um, I'd just done some live scores for Home, which was the new arts venue. I think, you know, oh, you know about Home because the, the event's going to be there. Yeah, the live event's going to um, be there in September. The, the live yeah. event's going to be the fantastic venue. Um, I was on the board at the time as well as a, as a creative on the board yeah. member. And I was do, I did two live scores for them. I I think I'd just done a bunch of stuff with a jazz artist called Matthew Halsall. I'd been gigging, you know, portrait. And and it's like, you know what? I, I, I need a break. I'm just going to go off and live my life. And... I just I just went back to work. I went I went back to work in Liverpool and just got on with things. My husband was working just outside Liverpool. We bought what, a flat. We just what work did you do? Oh, finance. <laughs> believe it or not. I mean, how left <laughs> field is that? <laughs> you know, Java. I I have a really good explanation for that. Actually, firstly, <laughs> firstly. I've actually always enjoyed finance, which is I know there's not there's no sex, drugs, and rock and roll there. But after after about you know after many many years of, of being out there in the art in the creative world, I just thought you know what I'm gonna go and just do something that pays the bills for a while. You know I'm I'm, yeah, I'm tired of a hand to mouth. I it, you know like I say, portrait did very well, and the amount of gigging that I did was. Uh, it did make things very financially viable for, you know, a few years, mm. but that had all sort of calmed down. And it's like, you know what, if I'm going to have a break, just have a break, go to work, 
go and do something that pays the bills. I bought a flat with my husband. You know, we just just lived, just lived for a few years. And then COVID happened, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was another two years where the, the bottom fell out of the music industry, essentially, and out of everything. Um, and so by that, by now, essentially, I've been, I haven't really done any shows for five years. Wow. I'll go with five years. Yeah. Um, but the good thing was I continued as, as always to kind of um, write Mm -hmm. and to finish off the writing for what's going to be now the third album um, and lots of writing for hopefully what may be a fourth. Mm -hmm. And, um, and during, I think it was early last year, sort of early 2021, I called my management and this, again, I keep raving about them, but um, <laughs> it's a really real testament to the fact that, I, you know, they really stick by their artists. And I rang them and I said, you know what, I, I want to get back into it. I want to get this album started that I've been writing forever and, and get it released. So they're like, right, let's do it. You know, let, let's get on it. And yeah. And we've been sort of building up to what is now uh, an EP, a single and an album, which which should hopefully be out at some point this year. Brilliant. That's mm. fantastic. Gosh. And so I guess you're going to start performing again then? Yeah. Yeah. I think we have something booked, don't we? We do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited to see you play on the 10th of September at home. Are you going to play um, something new? uh i yes let's go with a yes with that one <laughs> um, yeah I'll, I'll see i haven't you know i haven't got my set list together yet um yeah some something we have to go over but yeah let's see I'm, I'm sure if i'm playing you know three or four tracks i'll be i'll i'll throw something new in there yeah I'm the so new single perhaps to hear, to hear your new work so excited and are you, you are you feeling nervous at all after such a long break um not not about the release itself um I'm really you know I can't I can't wait to get the music out there and just start doing what I think I should have done when I was you know 17 and doing all of those amazing things going look at me look (laughs) at what I'm doing now you know and and I think for better or worse social media is a great place to do that yeah um you know rather than just going oh yeah this is this is happening now I'm I'm just gonna go and I'm just gonna go and carry on doing this I'm gonna be like I haven't released an album in 10 years look at this it's it's gonna be out there I'm yeah I'm just gonna go crazy with the party and I think um it's it comes with it does come with age as well just going you know what I can celebrate me I can celebrate what I've done and I can celebrate what I'm doing without thinking, oh, everybody's going to think I'm, um, I've got a big head and everybody's going to think I'm being really vain. It's like, no, I've put the work in and I've, and I, I this seriously what I want to do. And so there it is. And if you like it, that's wonderful. If you don't, then tweet me, you know, <laughs> tweet me with, with, with your messages saying how boring I am. That's fine. It's absolutely fine. You know, and and it really does come with age. Got to get into that point where you're like, I I, I don't mind, I don't mind what people think anymore. Yeah. Um, I'm just I'm just gonna get out there and 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 do as much as I possibly can with the music that I've made. That's wonderful. That's absolutely wonderful. It's so glorious to hear you say that. 
<laughs> Let's hope it works out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and also you've become a mum. Yeah. Yeah. My beautiful Miriam. Yeah. Aww. She's in she's in the other room with my with my mother-in-law as we speak. Um yeah, that's a, a whirlwind, as you know. It's um she's just absolutely amazing. And I, I can't, you know, as as somebody who never, like I say, my whole my whole focus, my entire life has been musical. And somebody who never really imagined themselves sort of married with kids, I, I sort of wake up every day thinking, oh, right, okay, that <laughs> happened, did it? I just kept saying yes to things and uh, and then woke up one day as a, as a sensible human being, um, uh, you know. And so, yeah, it's, again, it's another, it's another, it's another journey in life. And I, I just can't wait to see where she goes and, and the world that she's coming into, because I think it's going to be, some things are going to be worse but I think a lot of things are going to be better mm-hmm. you know especially for I mean she's she's mixed but especially for a black woman I think mm-hmm. things are getting better there's, there's still a long way to go but she's certainly going to have a better um entry into the world than than I did I think yeah mm-hmm. yeah gosh Josephine thank you so much for talking to me my pleasure thank you for having me and I'm sorry it took so long for us to to arrange this I was, you know, <laughs> I have, I've had lots of sleepless nights over the last five months oh, um yeah. with my daughter so um yeah, yeah it's it's really fantastic to to speak to you Jabba it was so so worth the wait just <laughs> thank you <laughs> yes I'm old. Josephine's new single, Tears Will Never Be Mine, which you've just heard, from her upcoming album, Kindred, was released today, June 3rd, 2022, through Sound of Solar Records. You can find Josephine on Instagram at Josephine Onayama and on Twitter at This Is Josephine. You can also find Joe's music on SoundCloud and Bandcamp. Please refer to the show notes for links. Thank you so much for listening to Omni Regular. Please make sure you review and subscribe as it helps other listeners find us and it truly does make such a difference. Thank you.